second episode of the 2018 season of We The People podcast. I don't know why I have so much enthusiasm right now. It was kind of a tough weekend for the Philadelphia Union, but here we are. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm admittedly a little bit bummed out for this team. The game did not go as expected. I was expecting three points, and I kind of left with a feeling in my stomach that, oh no, do we have another year of just misery. How are you doing, Jason? I'm hanging in there. Uh, it definitely doesn't help that I go to school in upstate New York where the weather is absolutely uh, abysmal. It's always gray, always raining. But I guess it's it's fitting for this episode because, like you mentioned, it was just one of those performances that kind of brings you back to yesteryear and makes you think, is this just another year of, you know, the Philadelphia Union, really? I mean, that, that that's that's all you can say. But before we get right into it, uh, we have to thank our sponsors. Of course, Slate of Hand Barbers will be sponsoring the podcast for this season of both the Philadelphia Union and We the People podcast. Uh, Slate of Hand Barbers in Prospect Park, PA. Mention this podcast the next time you go in there and get $5 off your next service. Again, that's Slate of Hand Barbers. Thank you so much. And uh, we have to make a correction because we got it wrong last week. Uh, it's Dave Hawes as in pause thank you to jeffrey mitchell on twitter who pointed that out to us uh but great song bury me in philly uh, part of dave's uh, album bury me in philly uh he's a philly guy love his music and thank you so much for uh dave and his team for letting us use that song for this season so john uh the philadelphia union lost three nil on saturday to colorado what at what point did you turn off the game, or did you watch it all the way through? Uh, if so, I commend you. I turned it off right after the third goal. I was pretty frustrated at that. I mean, I knew once the second goal went in that this team lost the will to even try to win. We weren't getting any offensive production, so the odds of us scoring two goals in 15 minutes was low. But once um, the third goal went in, Baji got his hat trick. I was like, I've had enough, and I stopped watching. And I turned off the uh, the Living Well Network or whichever nonsense network we've been relegated to. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the offense right off the bat because it really looked lifeless and out of sorts, really, just to name a few. I want to get your thoughts. What is needed to jumpstart this offense right now? Because through two games, they have no goals. Yeah, they, they have no goals in two games. The only time they, they have yet to score on a full 11-man team. The only time they scored was when New England was down a man and then later down two men. Um, to be honest, I don't know what this team needs besides time and maybe more chemistry. One of the things that's been unfortunate for the Union right now is that they had such a weird schedule where they had a game and then a bye week and then a game and then another bye week and then a game. I mean, they've played three games in five weeks where some game, some teams have already played four games, five games. So sure. they haven't had time to build up chemistry. Dushkal's only been in for two games. I mean, there isn't really much we can do to revamp the offense at this point. We'll get Fafa back. Hopefully next game he'll be in the starting 11 or at least the 18 he might not be as fresh so maybe they don't want to start him yet but I, I I don't know and that's the scary part about this team right now I'm not sure 
what exactly they need to be better. They're maintaining possession and they're controlling parts of the game. They controlled much of the first half. I believe they had like 55% percentage that whole game, which is surprising considering they lost 3 nothing. It's just that when they get to that final third, they break down. They lose possession. It's it's frustrating. I guess chemistry time, Dushkal needs to learn how to better work with the team. What do you think? You know, I we did talk about this last week, and I'm glad you mentioned Dushkal because we talked about him needing some time, but it's now two games where he's looked, you know, pretty non-existent yeah. in the field. And, and, and I understand that, you know, he's still trying to get used to his teammates. Uh, and as you mentioned, they had another week off from play. But if you're the number 10 who's propped up to be the game changer, to be the difference maker, to spur the attack in the final third, why aren't we hearing your name? Why aren't you on the ball? Why aren't you at least creating some chances? I don't think fans expect him to be banging in goals left and right at this point. But at least let's let's see something. Let's see a spark. And on Saturday, there really wasn't that spark. And in terms of what I think's needed, I, I really do think they need another striker. Um, CJ's obviously playing very well at the moment, but where's his competition? You know, uh, where's the who's the guy that can help alleviate the pressure on CJ? You know, well, this the entire attack, the entire attack, you know, goes through CJ Sapong, which, you know, he's in good form, so that's it's not necessarily a bad thing, but there's so much of a a pressure on his shoulders. And it just seems like the midfield isn't getting up with with CJ to help him along. So I don't know. I'm with you. I think um, there really aren't any answers right now. Do f- fans have to wait and and hope that Doge Kyle will start generating more scoring chances or will maybe Fafa come into the lineup and provide the spark they need? I don't know. I, I think through three games, the offense has looked pretty lifeless. See, I'm not sure I agree that CJ's really been in great form. He was in great form last year, but in New England, he missed multiple chances. I mean, the the goal he scored against New England was also the hardest shot that he had all game. And over the past two games, he hasn't really done that much in terms of offensive production. The team hasn't scored against a full side 11 yet. I, I just, I'm not sure really CJ's playing well. I think... The biggest thing we're going to need to see is that for all members of the offense to really step it up. Like, I assume I assume Dostal is a good player. I'm not ready to write him off as a bust over two games. So I'm going to kind of give him a pass and say, you're probably just going to need like a game or two, a month or two to really develop and get used to the league and get used to this team. But it's the rest of the players. Akam didn't look very good last week. CJ almost felt non-existent. You really didn't see Harris do too much. Bedoya at times I feel like has been one of our better players offensively but Bedoya isn't really the heart of our attack the heart should be running through Doshkal and Sapong so I I don't really know maybe and maybe I misspoke saying that CJ is in great form I think he's definitely in good form Um, but I guess the point I was trying to get at is it's not enough for the offense to really get him the ball and then just hope that he can score goals I think while he's a good player, he's in good form. He's, you know, like as you mentioned, he's not really banging in goals left and right at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. And that, but that's also not CJ's CJ's job. I mean, CJ's job is to be that target man and to produce that hold a play that he's known for. So, 
it's okay if he's not going to be like turning and shooting and banging in a bunch of goals, but the offense should be flowing and building off off of what right. he creates. And you know, the interesting thing is that Simpson wasn't even in the 18 last week. You had Corey Burke, who is, I believe, the only striker that they really brought with them to Colorado. So what does that say about CJ? I mean, it's one thing it says that they trust him, especially since they signed contract extension. But maybe CJ needs that little push, somebody over his shoulder to potentially take his job when he falls out of form. So I, I wonder if there's just not enough pressure on CJ right now to succeed, if he's in a little bit of a coasting mode. It is cause for some concern that these last two games, they've the offense really hasn't looked in sync and honestly, as you mentioned, you could even go as far to say all the games we've played so far. Because when you're up a man, you should score a goal. You should score probably two or three goals. Uh, and it took them until the 85th minute and up two men to even get a second on New England. So some cause for concern, but definitely not cause for panic yet. So on Saturday, I think another big talking point, obviously, was the debut of Matt Real. We mentioned on the last episode of the podcast, the possibility of him starting. He got the start. What did you think? Well, I was excited to see Real in the game. I didn't think he played too bad. I thought he had a fine game. I mean, the defense was young today. I believe it was the youngest back line in MLS history. And sure, they gave up three goals, but I feel like those goals were more Elliott's fault than the back line as a whole. I thought Real's debut was fine. I really didn't think he was the problem in that three-goal collapse. Um, one thing I noticed that we're not getting as much offensively out of him like we would Fabinho. He didn't push up as much, but maybe that's okay just for your first start. Yeah, I, I think from what we saw in preseason, he seems to be the type of player that likes to push up the field. But as you mentioned, I think on your debut at you know 18 years old, you're probably going to play it safe. And yeah, don't rock the it boat. It looks like that's what he – no, and uh, I think that's what he did. Uh, again, I also agree with you. I, I don't think he looked too bad. Um, he did have that one goal line save, which was pretty oh, good. Oh, that's right. That's it. That, that, that just sequence almost gave me a heart attack. I forgot that he was in on that. Yeah, because like, cause Blake made a fantastic save, and then he gets caught because of that save, and he was right there on the line where he out to clean up. So I guess that was probably one of the best defensive plays of the game, right place at the right sure. time, quite frankly. So we're going to switch from homegrown talk to some hot takes uh, because we love them on We The People podcast, and I have one. I I saw this today. There was a thread on Reddit where someone mentioned Vincent Noguera, and it got me thinking, not only was Vincent Noguera one of my favorite players, but I don't think he's been replaced yet. And I I know Harris Medunianin is as cool as you like on the ball. I know Alejandro Bedoya is a hard worker in the midfield he's a real box-to-box player but I think he's a player that the Union still really miss uh from I guess it's been three seasons now or, or two seasons now that he's been gone um but he was just he was a joy to watch and I think he's one of those players that the Union are really uh sorely lacking right now uh, the type of player who can go tra- transition from the back line all the way up the field and really create chances and cause havoc for opposing defenses. I think Harris Medunianin is capable of linking the back line to the midfield, but I don't think he has that offensive capabilities other than free kicks that Vincent O'Gara had. Well, he, uh, I would say that um, Medunianin can have that offensive capability sometimes when he plays for Bosnia and Herzegovina. They actually use him as a number 10. 
Um, when he plays with the Union, I feel like he lies a little bit too far back to be playing in that offensive role sometimes. But yeah, when Nagara left, I feel like Nagara's value to this team was incredibly underappreciated. And you saw, like, they started off the season really hot in 2016, were at the top of the table. Once he left, they quickly fell and just barely slipped into the playoffs and kind of fell backwards into the playoffs. He was a valuable member of this team, and it's been a hole we've been trying to fill ever since. I think, I, th- I, I really think that, though, Madunian is probably the best we'll get at filling that hole. Sure. I don't know. I'm not necessarily in the camp that I think that, like, Oh, we need to praise Nagara and say that we'll never find somebody as good as him. I think we just have to find somebody different than him. You got to say, okay, we're not going to find a Nagara again, but that doesn't mean that we can't be successful in other ways, and that doesn't mean that the combination of Bedoya and Madunian can't be successful either. Absolutely, and I, and I just think um, I, I saw that thread on Reddit, and it piqued my interest because uh, he is a player that, as you mentioned, after he left, you really saw the difference in the union midfield and union attack um and i think it got fans thinking just how much vincent noguera meant to this team but it's been three years uh i think harris madunian is a solid player probably one of the better players that we've yeah. brought in as a club like if, in recent years but if you're gonna rank like greatest philadelphia union players of all time i think you gotta put madunian in in that top 10 like if I'm being Absolutely. honest, if I if I'm gonna follow Absolutely. up your hot take with another hot take, I mean he has internet <laughs> he has international quality. He's just world class on the ball. Sometimes he's great at free sure. kicks. I mean whether or not he's the best free kick taker the Union have ever had is obviously a debate. But I would definitely put him in that top ten pantheon of Union players. Granted, we don't have that many quality players. I, I mean I even go as far to consider him in the top five maybe. I gotta think though, like of of great like quality union players, you gotta think like Nagara, yeah. Barnetta, Madunianin, Blake would probably go down there. You have you have, have Latu's well. a club legend, but I I don't know if Latu's quality was ever on the level of say a Madunianin or a um or like a Nagara. That's a hot take, mm-hmm. but we'll move on from hot takes. We've had plenty of those. Another podcast in the Philadelphia media realm. Uh, all three points they had a an episode uh released today and they mentioned the curtain doomsday clock which i thought was pretty interesting uh three games in the union are obviously one one and one now and as you would expect in philadelphia many fans have called for curtain's head so i guess it brings up the question is there a legitimate point in the season or when is that point uh with a with a specific record where you think yeah maybe you know the club actually considers finally parting ways with Jim you know I think obviously such a question shouldn't be raised at this point in the season you're three games in but what do you think I mean it's early to call for Jim's head I agree with you there I also think it's bad for the team if the fan base is actively rallying against the team like if the whole fan base is constantly getting the team down and constantly saying like oh we need change we need Kurt and gone that's not going to help the locker room so I'm not saying we need to praise this team to no end in order to create good cohesion with the team, but give it time. We're 1-1-1. One, one, and one. It's not the end of the world. It's no reason to really call for a major revolution in this team and get everybody out of the front office and bring in all new people because that's not a small task to do. And knowing this team's track record, probably one that might not be successful. 
I would say, though, if we hit the international break around the World Cup and we're towards the bottom of the table, maybe we haven't won a game or maybe we have, like, one more win since that point, then I think it's time to start calling for some changes. Jim Curtin's not the one paid to score goals. He's the one to put the players on the field to score the goals. And I think right now he's picking the best lineup possible. Obviously, Fabinho might be still ahead of Matt Real on the on the depth chart but obviously Fabinho just had that surgery at the end of the day it's up to the players that Jim Curtin puts on the field he puts the best players on the field and it's up to them to to do the rest and I think through these first three games we've seen some of the best the union have to offer and also some of the worst in terms of performances Jack Elliott was lights out in the first two games but as you mentioned earlier he didn't have the best of games on Saturday. Exactly. You got to think, let's say we fired Curtin today and we brought in a new coach tomorrow. Well, he only has so much to work with. Like, he has the same lineup that Curtin's going to bring out. And I honestly don't know whether or not that would make much of a difference. Of course, coaching does make a lot and can help bring out the best in their sure. players. But he's only working with so much. At the end of the day, you got to look at the common denominator. We've had three separate coaches and we've been unsuccessful under all of them and it comes down to Sugarman giving his coach giving his coaches the tools to succeed I'm not sure with this current lineup the problem is necessarily Curtin no and I and I agree with you there and I think when you look at teams throughout the years would you go as far to say that this is the best union team in terms of depth and and quality on the field because I would it might be one of the best i would say that early 2016 roster was pretty good or at least they clicked really well right, right. i think early 2016 that team pre nagara leaving yes. was pretty good that was a good team because you had barnetta you had nagara you had blake who was really starting to emerge as a good goalkeeper rosenberry and yara were both playing really well at the time marquez was doing pretty good um then you had fabinho as well i think that roster was pretty good I would I would say it's it maybe one of our better ones. I definitely think there's a lot of talent on this team. I mean, for the first time in a while, we're taking advantage of two DP slots. Where in the past we had one DP yeah. and then a black hole that was a due salary. It comes down to just the new midfield clicking with getting Fafa Pico back up top with David Akam finding his groove with the Union. CJ Sapong continuing to get a goal. I don't think it's time to call for anyone's head i don't think it's time for panic i think fans just need to take a deep breath we're one one and one which isn't too bad when you consider the fact that the union have had uh such a lengthy time off and they really haven't been able to to get any consistency going yeah, they i mean you, you gotta also remember that like some teams like toronto are one oh and two now of course they've been sure. occupied with with the concaf champions league but, like, the season is early. There's still 31 games left. And I think when you look at this roster on paper and compare it to last year's roster, it's not that bad. It's a, it's it's an improvement, I would say, definitely. Speaking of improvements, uh, Philly Football Daily MLS contributor Noah Barnes, he writes a weekly MLS Power Rankings article each week. And he pegged the union as the number 10 team this week and i'm interested in getting your thoughts john i'm going to read you what he wrote the article actually hasn't been posted yet at the time of this recording Ooh, a little sneak um, peek I think it's, 
little sneak peek. I think it's due to be posted in 10 minutes, but uh, let me read you what Noah Barnes has to write here. See, I thought this was interesting. Obviously, it's a it's a Philadelphia-specific site, Philly Football Daily, but I wasn't sure if he was being generous, but the way he writes this article, you know, he, he actually is convinced so far by the performances that the Union aren't such a bad team this year. So he writes, Philadelphia Union are perhaps this season's most confusing team. One minute, their offense looks scintillating, and the next, it looks as it has for the last several seasons. Sputtering, abysmal, and at times just lost. When you look back to that first game, there were some times where the Union offense was absolutely peppering New England. But we have to state the obvious. They were down a man. What do you think about that? Well, I think t- 10, I think, is a little high. I know um, the average power ranking across the league prior to the uh, to the Colorado game had them at 11. And you got to think, after going against what many people consider to be one of the worst teams in the league and losing 3-0, even though it was on the road, and really failing to produce anything offensively, he's got to drop it in the power rankings. I would probably, like, I'd, I'd move this team into maybe like a 13, 14, 15 kind of spot. Again, like we said earlier, we don't need to call for panic. There are teams that have been more successful no. in the past that are doing pretty poor right now. I mean, Houston right now, who made it to the conference semifinals last year, is sitting 1-1 and 2, two losses. Seattle is 0 and 3 and they were in the cha- they were in the they were in the final last year. You have playoff teams like Portland who are without wins right now, two two draws, two losses. So I think the power rankings can be a little bit meaningless right now, but there are some teams that have historically been good that are below us right now in terms of just power ranking and how they're performing right now. I do, though, like what he said about the team being a little bit confusing, where at times it seems like they really are controlling the game, they have a great possession going, but then other times the offense just sputters. I really actually like what he wrote there. I thought that was a great way to sum up this team. They're confusing. This team, I believe, should be good. I don't think they're like a contender, but I think they're at least a playoff contender. And they okay. don't look like it sometimes. So I don't it's it's like they, they don't have an identity almost. Or you pull away the mask and you don't know what you're getting. Noah, it, you know, Noah, if you're listening to this podcast, I think I actually might have Noah come on because he lives right across the hall. He might even hear me right now. So Noah, if you're listening, I think you just inspired the next union t shirt. This team is confusing. Just put that across the chest. You're right. They do look comfortable in possession a lot of times. They look like they control the tempo of the game. But when they get to that final third, they just they break down. And it's it is it's frustrating as well. It's not just confusing. And this has been a problem that they've had. This is a problem I feel like they've had for years. Like ever since absolutely. ever since we really lost Nagara, I feel like this has been a problem that this team has had and failed to really solve for about two years now. And we thought, Absolutely. I think, that the issue was that we didn't have a true number 10 and we were playing people like El Sino in the number 10 or um, Alberg. Now that we have a number 10, we're not getting it. And we're like, what? <laughs> like, like all this time, we've been told that the number 10 is a solution to our problems, that this is how we'll start to get more going in the final offensive third of the field. Now that we have it, we're not getting it. And we're all like looking around like, what's going on? This is the end of the world. I would think that he's hungry to, to finally make an impact, whether that's get on the score sheet or get an assist. I think this but, whole team should be hungry, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's one player that has to be chomping at the bit, it's Fafa Pico. 
but definitely he's going to be hopefully coming back whether whether it be sure. in the role of a sub or in the starting 11 if i'm fafa after three weeks on the bench really five weeks on the bench because of those two bye weeks i'd be chomping at the bit i want to get out there and make a difference in this game if if there's sure one, and, and if you're a player oh i'm sorry go ahead if there's one player i'm probably gonna peg to be a difference maker it might just be fafa this week because he's some fresh Absolutely. blood that hasn't seen the field yet and is eager to make a change you must be thinking i know i can make a difference or at least i think i can so that will be interesting to see something that was obviously a great um great for the league in general was the introduction of one lion slash god slash self-proclaimed benjamin button and of course i'm talking about zlatan ibrahimovic he joined the la galaxy two weeks ago and over the weekend made his debut and what a debut he had the league has changed forever it's no longer mls it's mlz major league zlatan <laughs> Uh, the the fans wanted Zlatan, so he gave them Zlatan. What what more can you say? The man, how long was he on the field? 18 minutes? I think something like that. Just just under 20 minutes, two goals and an assist. Changed the game. They would not have won without him. Like At first, I was really impressed for uh, LAFC. I mean, they came to Carson, you know, a real long road trip for them. And they <laughs> took it to them, 3 nothing, and the Galaxy were rattled. Zlatan, though, is just Zlatan. I mean, that, that goal of his was, in, was incredible. Made it all over the place. Let's, let's just state the obvious here. The Union are having trouble this season attracting, at least through their first two home games, attracting a crowd to Town Energy Stadium. It's, I would say the attendance has been somewhat around 10,000, even if that. Do, what would you, do you think they sell out? When Zlatan AFL comes, Galaxy come to well, yeah. I'll tell you, when Zlatan signed, the first thing I did was check the schedule to see whether or not we get L.A. And what do you know, July 21st, 2018, yeah. Zlatan comes to town. I'm definitely going. I mean, I was going to go to the game anyway, but like now I'm, ex- sure. now I'm excited for that game. Like Very rarely do I jump ahead in the schedule and see who we're playing in July during April. But now I'm like, okay, Galaxy's coming in July. This is a must-go game. I'm excited to see Zlatan, and I think a lot of the area will be too. Zlatan is now the new face of the league, that's for sure, and he's generated more buzz than the league has had in years. I mean, I turned on ESPN the other day, and they were showing highlights of Zlatan's goal. That never happens. Maybe the last time that happened was when Villa uh, chipped it over Blake from like 50 yards out. That was a rough one. You had to go there, John. I know. Well, you, you think I had to go there. I have I have <laughs> NYC fans who remind me of that goal on like a weekly basis. You're right. So you live with an NYC fan? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of it on a weekly Oof. basis. You're absolutely right about one thing. Zlatan is going to change this league. It is no longer MLS because just like when David Beckham came to MLS back in, gee, I don't, I can't even remember. What was it? 2000? 2007. 2007? You know, he, he really jump-started, I think, the conversation regarding soccer in this country because everyone knew David Beckham beforehand. And I think Zlatan is that kind of player. Maybe not for the casual American sports fan, yeah, I would say but definitely Zlatan, for... Zlatan doesn't have the mass appeal that David Beckham has, but he brings other things to the field or just to MLS, like his personality. Sure, but I, I do think he does have that appeal with the European, you know, the, oh, definitely. the type of fans in the U.S. Definitely. who only watch European soccer. Definitely fans of European soccer, but I think 
Sure. I think if you were to go back to 2007 and you asked just a random person on the street, somebody who follows like the big four, doesn't even pay attention to yep. European soccer, who is Latan? Well, you know, you know, great example. My dad didn't know who Zlatan was, and I had to explain it to him. And my dad, he, he's a Union fan, but he's pretty casual. He doesn't really follow European soccer. I had to explain it to him, but I think if you went back to 2007, he'd at least have heard of David Beckham. Sure. No, I think you're right. Not to, um, not you're, to dis- you're definitely right about not that. Not to discredit Zlatan's like, star power and what <laughs> he brings to this league. Yeah, you better watch it. He might uh, like, pop out at any moment. Oh, Kinda I know. like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> He'll come after me. No, but uh, like I, I think Zlatan is a massive figure for this league to pull, and he is such a huge personality, and I think it's going to only do wonderful things for this league. Like Even if it perpetuates the retirement league stereotype, I don't even care because I think it's that good for the league. I think, though, he's a different kind of star power than David Beckham. Sure. I think you're right, and... Can you imagine though, if you're Chris Pontius and you go from playing, and I'm not. Hey, 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 hey! Disclaimer. You know there. who had? You know who had the first goal to lead that rally? It was Chris Pontius. It was Chris Pontius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Philadelphia Union you, Chris. alum Chris Pontius, making waves Party in Los boy. Angeles. Not the only one in LA scoring goals. Move over, Zlatan. <laughs> Party boys coming. Oh man, we definitely have to add the er, end the podcast. On that note, but thanks again for listening, everyone. Episode two of the 2018 season of We the People podcast, again uh, presented by Union Fan TV. I don't think we mentioned that in the beginning, but oh well. Uh, and sponsored by We, or not sponsored by We the People podcast. Jeez, it's been a long day. We're college kids. We have lots of classes and schoolwork, and we have to worry about this middling soccer team we support. Um, but again. Sponsored by Slade Ham Barbers in Scenic Prospect Park, PA. Mention this podcast if you're listening to John the Barber at Slade Ham Barbers, and you'll get $5 off your next service. And speaking of $5 off, did you hear that Zlatan turned down $100 million to come to MLS? I did hear that. I was actually looking at the article just before we had started recording. I think the Chinese Super League offered him $100 million. Yeah, that's it's that's insane. But you got to think that, that there's things that are in the United States that you just won't get in China. There's a lifestyle that I think more appeals to them in Los Angeles than it wouldn't say some Chinese city. Not to mention, I'm sure there are other like backroom deals or sponsorships that he's going to get now sure. that he's in the United States that he wouldn't have available to him in, say, China. So I think from the business side, Zlatan's got it worked out. Even if he's only making $1.5 million a year and is technically a pay cut from his salary at Man U, he's making money other ways. Absolutely. And another thing we didn't mention before we wrap up this podcast is Zlatan, we've actually given him a pretty pretty penny to come on this podcast the next time, or when the Union play LA Galaxy. So stay tuned for that one. Zlatan takes on We The People podcast. Am I 65 to 10?